Desperate Father, Desperate Woman, and an Interruption. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. Welcome to Bible Glitter and Glue. David, I'm looking forward to another conversation in the life of Jesus. Today's story is about two sick women. Well, one young woman and one older woman. And it really takes me back in time to a visit I was privileged to make to the city of Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth in Greece. And I remember particularly a display to the god Asclepios, which is the god of healing, the Greek god. And on this display, there was a whole wall filled with clay body parts, arms, legs, feet, heads, private parts, all sorts of things. There was a womb built out of clay. It was explained to us that people would build these in their prayers for healing for parts of their body, sometimes as a thanks for healing. And I looked at that display, and all I could see was desperation. Each of those body parts had a story. Someone's life was being affected so much that they were going to desperate measures to have healing. Not like today where we can just go to a doctor and get the latest technology. And this was an act of desperation because the kind of treatments were very primitive, even from a medical doctor of the time. Sweating, bloodletting, heating and cooling, just some very different things that were probably not that effective in the end. What desperation. Well, I like how you, what you saw there in that museum, that very interesting museum, and, and how it relates actually to our story today. In fact, our story today is found in Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43. And in the setting, Jesus has just come back across the lake. They just had the experience of that storm and then the healing of that man with demons, and they come back across the lake, and they're met by a crowd. The implication is that Jesus is teaching the crowd, and all of a sudden he's interrupted by this synagogue ruler named Jairus. And he's desperate. He has a sick daughter. She is dying. He interrupts Jesus. He begs Jesus to come and heal his daughter, because Jesus has a reputation for being a healer. We don't know how long that his daughter was sick and dying, if it was a sudden thing or it's prolonged, we don't know, but he's desperate now. He knows Jesus is a healer. He's in the area, and so he asked Jesus to come to his house to heal his sick daughter. And this was a man of prominence. If you were a leader in the synagogue, is that more of an administrative kind of role? Is that... What, what does it mean to be a leader in the synagogue? Yeah, a leader or ruler of the synagogue is in an administrative role. He was in charge of the synagogue and the care of the synagogue and making sure everything was in order. He necessarily wasn't a teacher, like a religious teacher. He just took care of the affairs of the synagogue, making sure that everything was in order, that you know when they came together for their Sabbath worship, and other kind of things that went on in the synagogue. He was just in charge of that. So it was an important role. Uh, synagogue was a 
major part of every Jewish city and village. So Jairus has an official position. He knows how to take care of problems. He knows how to administrate, get the right people for the right job. So here he has a very personal situation, his daughter at home, and he knows the right man for this job. He knows Jesus can heal his daughter. And so Jesus follows Jairus to his house. And on the way, there's a crowd with him. So Jesus is not the only one going to Jairus' house. There's a crowd And the crowd is pushing all around him. His disciples are there with him. Somewhere along the way, there is this woman in the crowd who also is desperate. And her problem is very different than Jairus's. But she's equally desperate. It says this woman has a bleeding issue. And she's had this disease or this issue for 12 long years. And that she has spent everything she owns to try to find a cure. She can't. So she, too, is desperate, and so she believes that if she just touches the hem of Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. And she makes her way into the crowd and pushes her way through to where she reaches out to touch Jesus. And at that moment, she was instantly healed. And Jesus knew at that moment that someone had touched him and said, someone touched me. And the disciples kind of looked at Jesus or kind of laughed at him. What do you mean someone touched you? <laughs> There's a whole crowd around you. Of course, people are touching you. But no, this one particular woman was the woman who reached out in desperation for Jesus. And so Jesus has another interruption. He attends to this woman. He has a dialogue with her. And that dialogue must have been very interesting. I'm just putting myself in the place of this woman. Even today, having issue of bleeding, that it's kind of embarrassing to even say, because as women, we have all of these sort of private issues that we have, and we might go to a, a doctor, a gynecologist today, and even that is, is a challenge today, and it's difficult. But here's this woman that, according to Jewish custom, I mean, she would not really be allowed, as a woman who is bleeding, she would not have been allowed to mix with crowds. She was in an unclean state. So she's been in this condition or this state for 12 long years. 12 years this of poor spending, woman. yes, spending all of her money right. to fix this problem. I, I'm going to guess she, I'm not sure if she was married or not, but she wouldn't have had the normal sought after Jewish woman life of a husband and children. She's just in this terrible state. For 12 years, anyone dealing with a long-term illness would have a heart for this woman because this is long and hard and lonely. Jesus pronounces her healed. He says, go in peace. You will have no more suffering. Jesus continues his journey now to Jairus' house. But while this was going on between Jesus and the woman, some men from Jairus' house came and says, don't trouble Jesus anymore because your daughter has died. You know, she's beyond help. This does outline that situation of bothering Jesus. Your version says trouble, but some say bothering Jesus. And you think about there are big problems, what we call big problems. We pray about those. And then there are the million and one little problems. And we think, oh, we don't want to bother Jesus about those. But Jesus is concerned about the big and the little, and it shows in this story that he's not bothered when people approach him and ask for his help. 
which is amazing because there would have been many. There would have been, and that's something that we should remember. We should notice about Jesus is that no one was too little to get Jesus' attention. No one was too much of a bother for him to pay attention to. When it gets to the house, I think, if I'm not mistaken, when people died, the Jewish custom would be to bury them very quickly. So they were already on to the funeral. Right. When he comes into the house, they're already wailing and making a commotion. This loud wailing may be the the women who would wail. That was their role, to wail at funerals. Kind of a job, right? Kind of a, a role. Yeah, a job. Jesus sends everybody out of the room except for the parents and I think James, Peter, and John. He takes hold of the girl's hand and says, Talitha kum. And then Mark translates for us, little girl, I tell you to to get up or to stand up or to rise up. And she did. (laughs) Everyone, of course, was amazed. I think, too, David, it's really good to point out, right before that, when everyone was wailing and the funeral was going on, Jesus said, She's just sleeping. Good and point. they laugh at him because, I mean, obviously, she's dead. And the very thought of laughing at Jesus, I know from this side of history, we would think, oh, my goodness. But they would have seen a dead body. And then Jesus saying she's sleeping from crying and wailing to laughing. <laughs> right. You know, they thought, well, Jesus just doesn't know. But, you know, they were the ones actually who didn't know. He had the last laugh. <laughs> well, he raises this girl up from the dead. And he told the parents, don't tell anybody about it. But they did tell everybody about it. We know the story. But then at the very end of the story, it says, then he told them to give the girl some food. How practical is that? I love that. I love that because it's that little detail that says to me, this really happened. There's the big wow of this story, a person being raised from the dead. But she's a little girl. And he says, bring her some food. Isn't that tender? That is. So we've just given an overview of this story. And in Mark's gospel, it's right after Jesus stills the storm and heals this demoniac. They come back across the lake here. And so as we outline the story, uh, there's three points. There is verses 21 through verse 24, where Jairus begs Jesus to heal his dying daughter. And then we come to verse 25 through verse 34. It's Jesus then heals this bleeding woman on his way to Jairus' house. And then from verse 35 through 43, we have Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. So just three points here. And these three points actually point out something, how Mark tells stories sometimes. Mark tells stories that's been called a sandwich technique, where we have one story embedded inside another story. The story starts with Jairus, and then we have this other story of this woman who had a bleeding issue, and then it concludes with the story of Jairus. That's a sandwich technique. You have a story embedded in another story. You know, David, as I'm reading this, and we've talked about this, this is a story of interruptions. This man is, quote, unquote, bothering Jesus to come heal his daughter. This woman is bothering Jesus, trying to quietly get him to heal her. The friends say to Jairus, don't bother Jesus, it's too late. Bother, bother, bother. What a better way to tell a story with an interruption. Right. (laughs) That's a good point. And so these two stories go together. They, They relate. One helps us to understand the other one. I'm also struck about how people see things versus how Jesus sees things. 
The people saw a crowd, but Jesus perceives an individual. And then later, all of the people around just saw death. Jesus saw sleeping. And it just reminds me that our view of things is not the end of the story. When we go to God in prayer, He sees things in a different way. And from his point of view, from his powerful point of view. And in that way, we shouldn't worry about bothering God with our prayers. Nothing's too big or too small for God when it comes to us having our trust in him. That's right. That's good. Several things we can note about these two stories that are intertwined. When I was reading through these stories, this is what jumped out to me. Mary, I think you've already alluded to this. At the beginning in verse 22, we're introduced to Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, and he comes to where Jesus is, and it says that he bowed or he fell before him. And then in verse 33, we're talking about this woman that is desperate. It says there the woman knew that she was healed, so she came and bowed and fell at Jesus' feet. So we have both Jairus and this woman bowing before Jesus. They were acknowledging that Jesus is somebody that can possibly help. And so that kind of ties these two stories together. Another thing that ties these stories together is that, and you may already pick this up, this woman has had this blood issue for 12 years. And this little girl is 12 years old. What is the significance of that? This woman may be past the years of childbearing. And so she's been sick for the whole time this girl has been alive. So we have this woman who's maybe at the end of her years, and at the end of her years she's been sick this whole time, and she's desperate. She's hopeless. She can't do anything else. And here we have this young girl who is at the beginning of her life. She's at the verge of womanhood. We have these two people connected by the number 12, one at the end and one at the beginning, and Jesus gives both of them life in different ways. He's concerned about every stage of our life, isn't he? Every situation we're in, Jesus is concerned. And these two women, they really show this in a big way. Another thing to point out is that the girl of Jairus is identified as his daughter, and she's called daughter twice here at the beginning and at the end. And in the middle of the story with this woman bleeding, Jesus calls her daughter. So the word daughter is used three times at the beginning, the middle, at the end. To me, that brings this conversation down to a personal level, a family level. Not only Jairus' daughter that is in need, but this other woman. She's also a daughter of God. She's also a daughter of Abraham. So that ties these two stories together, too. Again, I believe this story is, on the one hand, very official, but on the other hand, very personal. And I love that because that is our relationship with God. It is personal. It, there are the big things. You don't get much bigger than salvation and God created the world and Jesus died on the cross. And yet, it's very personal. It comes down to my head on the pillow at night in my conversation with God. So David, as you are teaching this section of Scripture to adults, what kind of things would you bring into your class? One thing that I think would be good is just to ask the question, what were you doing 12 years ago? You might have to think for a moment, because 
What was going on in your life 12 years ago? Well, for this little girl, 12 years ago, she was just born. But for this woman, she knew exactly what she was doing 12 years ago. She was beginning to attend to her issue. It controlled her whole life. It became her life for 12 long, desperate years. What were you doing 12 years ago? Something you said, Mary, in your Mission Bible class website, you titled this lesson, Nothing is Too Big for Jesus. And then in our conversation earlier, you said, but really, you know, I was looking at this and thinking nothing is too small for Jesus. And I think that was a great observation. That's true. Nothing is too big for Jesus. He heals this woman. He gives her back her life. He puts her back into the community again where she can actually have a normal life, a good life. And of course, he brings life to this little girl, which not only blesses this little girl, but blesses her parents who now have their family whole again. But nothing is too small for Jesus. Both this woman and this little girl in that time period, in that culture, would have been not considered important. But they weren't too small for Jesus. They didn't bother Jesus. Yeah, they interrupted Jesus, but that didn't matter because they were important. I think often sometimes we feel like we're not all that important or that we're too small. Maybe not all of us feel that way, but I know some of you probably do. You have the attention of God. You are not too small for God. You do matter. And your life and your issues, they do matter. So what else would you do in your class, David? In a class, it's natural for us to focus on people that matter to us, and we define who that might be. So as an exercise, I think would be good is just think about someone in your congregation or in your circle of acquaintances that you really don't have much interaction with or you don't really pay attention to and pay attention to them. Do something for them. And maybe it's a child in the congregation that you never talk to. You don't pay attention. Do something good for that child. Talk to them. Write them a note of encouragement buy them something and give them a gift and say, you know what, I just want you to know that I think you're pretty cool, you're pretty special, and you're really important in this community, and I just want to bless you with this. So sometimes it's good to stop and be reminded that everybody is important and should be important to us like we are to God. Well, when I'm teaching children, I want them to really understand that there is nothing too big or small that we can't go to God in prayer with. I would want to talk about prayer and how that is just talking to God. And we can talk about different things we can bring to God's attention in our life, because He wants to hear about our hurts and our problems. He wants to hear when we've done a good job on something, when we've made a good grade at school, when we've helped someone. It would be bragging if we told other people about that, but we can share those triumphs with God. And so I really would like to spend time on prayer, just talking to God. I think that's an important thing to talk about in reflection of this story. This is one of those Bible stories where children get a glimpse of the heart of God because not counting Jesus and, of course, His resurrection, there were nine other times in the Bible, if I've got it right here, nine other times when people were brought back to life. Hmm. And six of those are women and children. 
So I find that fascinating. It is fascinating. Uh, Men get a lot of press in the Bible. (laughs) We hear a lot about the things that happen to men, but there were women and children throughout the Old and New Testament. So that's a great thing to talk to children about, that that God is concerned about children and and what's happening in their lives. Just as a, a simple thing, in a most basic way, I think I just want to clarify what it means to be dead. (laughs) because that's Hmm. not something we talk to children a lot about. We might just take our pulse or listen to heartbeats, things like that, because I want children to understand this little girl was not just tired. She was dead. And Jesus said she was sleeping, and that was from his point of view, but everybody else knew she wasn't breathing, she didn't have a pulse, and that's why this was so miraculous. Jesus didn't just wake her up. He brought her back from death. People can't do that as much as they want to. Someone who has been dead a while, they're already starting the funeral, and they bring him back to life. That's pretty amazing. I think I'd like to talk to children about that. Okay, that's good. But again, this amazing story about two females, (laughs) one who had been sick for 12 years, one who had been alive for 12 years, but had just died. It's an amazing story, a beautiful story in the life of Jesus. Thanks for talking about that today, David. Thank you, Mary. A good reminder that nothing is too big for Jesus. No one is too small for Jesus. May God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.